Welcome to the Evolution 2.0 podcast, where we explore the intersection of art, technology, business, biology, and spirituality. Here, you'll discover new trends in evolution that are changing the way we think about everything. This is your host, Perry Marshall, author of Evolution 2.0, 80-20 Sales and Marketing, and guides to Ethernet, Google, and Facebook. I'm founder of the Evolution 2.0 Prize, a quest for the missing link between Earth science, the information age, and life itself. Let's join the conversation now. Perry Marshall here with Jenny Davis, and uh, Jenny is quite a remarkable person. She has a cancer story to tell, but before, way before we get to that, there's some really interesting background. So she um, fought for Scotland and Great Britain. Like when I first read that, I'm like, were you in the army? No, as a judo athlete for 16 years and has a bachelor's in health psychology and has quite a career as an athlete raced for Scotland and Great Britain as a track cyclist, becoming the fastest female sprinter in Scottish cycling history, winning silver at Delhi Commonwealth Games. And then she's a lean Six Sigma black belt, which that world actually goes well with athletics. It attracts very disciplined people. We were introduced by Megan Macedo a few weeks ago, and I had met her at a seminar but I didn't really know her, but turns out she's been hanging around in our business corner of the world for about a dozen years. So, and then there's a whole story that ensues from there. Um, So this is going to be a very interesting conversation. And especially as we get into the cancer story, just a perspective that is, I think, unique. So Jenny, welcome. Thank you for having me, Perry. Excited to be here. So I reckon it must have been about three years ago I got your, because I was in Planet Perry and your business side, I got your like 40 page sales letter <laughs> helping like the first funding round of Evolution 2.0. Well, at least the public oh, one. And, uh, and I, I do like a regular donation. It's not, you know, we're talking like, pennies it's nothing compared to some of your big d- donations and that was three years ago and I kind of always thought I would be like a fringe player and I would just support in the best way that I could I never ever thought that I'd be chatting to you three years later on your podcast about a cancer story that I, I went through um, which has been you know very recent I'm only just a couple of months out of finishing chemo so I'm excited to be here and I'm looking forward to sharing a very unique opinion and view and experience and hopefully help people understand a bit more about why we need to do more. So what I'd like you to do is give me just a, like a little short cliffhanger cancer piece, just so people know what's coming and why they need to stick to the end. And then I want you to back up and backfill. Okay, who are you and where do you come from? And, you know, why your perspective on this is unique. But, like, give us uh, just a little Like a trailer. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I guess you ran through a little bit of my backstory. So I was a big athlete, um, professional athlete for many years probably one of the most most people that I know say I'm the healthiest person they've 
ever met. Like I sit on their health and fitness board of directors for a lot of people just because of the way that I am and have lived for a long time. And I ended up with a a bowel cancer diagnosis um, the second week in January this year, which is 2021. Completely unexpected. Very rare for somebody under 40 to be diagnosed with that. And I went through, I needed an emergency operation because I had a bowel obstruction. So I went through, you know, I went, I went into the hospital thinking I had like constipation and then told I just needed an emergency operation that was probably bowel cancer. And that was me going to be cut off from the world for a couple of weeks because of the COVID restrictions. So the last seven months for me have been surgery, uh, post-surgery detox, chemo, and all the chat that comes with chemotherapy, and then post-chemo detox, and then transitioning back into my career and getting my health and fitness back in a good place so I can get back on my bike and do all this fun stuff that I enjoy. So that's kind of it in a nutshell that's very raw and live because it's only just happened. Like I'm still living it just now at the moment. Yeah. And so there's multiple unique perspectives as you're going to hear as we go through this and the athletic background is part of it, but then there, there's some other pieces. So it's going to get fascinating now. So back up in athletics or before, like help us get to know you. So I guess you know, I, I was a high energy child, probably would have gone off the rails if my parents hadn't put me into sport. So I ended up in a judo class, which happened to be a talent. It randomly was a talent hub for judo in the UK. My parents didn't know that. It just happened to be the club that I lived to closest. And I ended up having, while, I'd, while I went through school and uni, I ended up having a pretty successful kind of judo career through youth and junior ranks um, up into the seniors. And I was a, it's important for, for me to call out, I was a, like a low maintenance athlete. So I was never sick. I was very rarely injured. The physios loved dealing with me because it was like tape up my pinky and let me go or whatever it was. So generally speaking, you know, for most of my life, I've had very little health issues I usually had pretty good balance and I guess across the board, my life was fairly balanced. You know, sometimes you have to push in particular areas. And then um, I did health psychology at uni and the last year of uni, I decided to take a bit of a year off my sporting career just so that I could finish with a good honours degree in my, um, my health psychology my year off turned into a couple because I was suddenly enjoying what's life like without the professional sport, constant measures. And as a judo player, it was a lot of it was about weight control. And I was enjoying, just enjoying being with friends and family and having a bit of a life where I could do what I wanted at the weekends. And yeah. then a coach that worked across sports disciplines in Scotland suggested that I had some parallels with some of the track sprinters in Scotland so he suggested that I do a bit of a 
try it out and maybe do a talent transfer if I enjoyed it. So I fought it for a little while. That's another story how I ended up making the decision to go. But I did a track cycling kind of talent transfer and had maybe 10, 12 years of racing for Scotland and GB, which I juggled with my my kind of working career and did all the operational improvements, continuous improvement, Lean Six Sigma, kind of that run alongside. So when there was a a quiet games period, like London Games, Glasgow, I would have a jump in my working career. And then that would kind of be paused while I did my London or Delhi games or Glasgow Commonwealth games. And then I retired to like 2016, I think. So uh, I was able to spend a lot more time on my career helping businesses with their operational improvements. And that probably brings me up to this point. Um, I had probably a big change a couple of years ago and some of my life circumstances changed a little bit which um, I think had an impact on what happened with my health next. But we can talk about that if you want to. I don't mind. You're doing good. Just keep going. Keep going. So I had seven months to reflect on this. And everybody who ever gets cancer always asks the question, why did I get cancer? Uh Uh, And especially because I don't meet any of the typical risk factors especially for bowel cancer you don't hear about many professional athletes who get diagnosed with it and so I didn't you know I barely drink I don't smoke I eat pretty healthy I was fasting I was exercising every day I was walking I was doing yoga I had some career stress but it wasn't like keeping me up at night Um, and then I just, I had two years of career where I was in a transition and I didn't, I was still working out what I wanted to do. And I was doing some things that I don't think were true to me as a person Mm. um, and true to the unique abilities and talents that I have, but I was kind of playing around with it. So I, I assumed it was just part of the journey. So I don't think I was being true to myself. I wasn't my normal creative outlet. I wasn't using anymore. So I think my creativity was blocked. And then I had high stress, I think. And so most of last year, I had high stress for a number of different reasons. My partner and I, unfortunately, I had two miscarriages last year, one at the beginning of the year and one in November, Mm. um, which obviously from an emotional perspective, is very, very stressful. And I had, I was traveling quite a lot for work. So my sleep patterns were, it was like early, super early flights and then super late flights. So I was getting up at the crack of dawn and missing full sleep cycles. And when you're traveling, you're eating is is out of sync. So there were a lot of things that, from a, a health foundation point of view, I were different. On top of my careers in transition, I'm not being myself. My creativity is getting blocked. 
plus the emotional stress of going through what we were going through personally. And I wasn't well. The symptoms for me started like December last year, but because I just had a miscarriage, I had assumed that what I was going through was like a knock-on effect from all that stuff. Mm. So I didn't seek medical other than pregnancy support who thought it was just like hormonal changes and things. I didn't seek medical support until it was, you know, much further down the line. And I was in a lot of pain and I probably looked six months pregnant because my abdomen was so like stretched out and full. And then that took me into beginning of this year where I got admitted into hospital and was told two hours later, I probably had bowel cancer. So yeah, it, it's been a, the last seven months has been a bit of a journey <laughs> with the op, chemo, and living with a stoma because they did a colostomy on me. They removed 30 centimetres of my large intestine. I have a stoma in the front of my abdomen. Hopefully short term, it's due to be reversed uh, beginning of next year, assuming they don't find any more cancer at the end of this year. So it's been a journey having to deal with all that and then having a having a new poo process as well. <laughs> Wow. So when you say you were not being true to yourself, like what degree of not true to yourself? Is this like major not true to yourself or minor not true to yourself? Uh, um, so I, I think I was in situations where I would lean into doing what I was really good at. And then I was working with people who would pull the reins right back in and so I had leeway for like a little amount of time and then they would pull the reins back in and then it was just like cut dead for, you know, I got little teasers of being able to do my best work, but for the majority of the time in my career, which is the bulk of where most people spend their time each working week, I wasn't playing to my strengths. I was just chugging along with, the leaders that I was working with at the time. Now, are you implying that you think this contributed like to you getting cancer or is that just background information or how do you interpret that? So I think, I think I'm never going to know the truth about why the first cell turned cancerous and, you know, Pretty soon after this happened, I, I spent, I went into more detail about the work that you were doing and read Dr. Raza's book mm -hmm. on the first cell, which just completely blew my mind. And I think, you know, I don't have all the normal risk factors. I only know in my, in my gut, which is me not, no pun intended. I only know in my gut and my heart you know, there were only a few small areas where things weren't right. And that first cell is normal until it undergoes consistent stress for a long period of time. So my theory is it was related to me not, not being true to myself and not being able to fulfill my full creative potential. And 
the stress that happened soon after that accelerated that. That's my theory, which I'll never be able to prove or disprove. Yeah. But that, that's where my head is with it just now. Okay. Well, that's that's useful because it seems pretty clear to me that cancer is caused by stress. And there's a million things that can stress people out, including toxic waste dumps and bad food and bad work situations or bad relationships. And, and, and so it seems very appropriate to do some introspection, which is exactly what you've done. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you wrote to me, you had a lot of interesting things to say about chemotherapy. You had more things to say about introspection and like you've been through this whole thing now over the last seven months. So where would you like to start? So I guess uh, I think in one of your emails, you talk about there's an ideal way to treat cancer. And one of the first couple of bullets is like, remove it, like cut it out. Mm. So I was fortunate enough that the obstruction of my bowel got so big that it blocked everything which meant the cancer was found before it got to stage four, which is where it spread across multiple organs. And mine's was stage 3B. So it was in my bowel and had worked through the three layers of the bowel. And then the only reason I wasn't stage four was because it had not spread and they didn't find it anywhere else. So, I, you know, I was on the other side of, I was on the more serious side but the obstruction saved me because it stopped another part of my body being able to work, which caused symptoms. So they found it pretty quickly after I had the first kind of set of symptoms. Like I was on the operating table within a month and they cut it out and the samples that they took, they took some cells from my bowel like liquid form because it was a clear liquid in there and they sent that to the lab. So there were cancer cells in my bowel that hadn't turned tumorous and I had seven out of 48 lymph nodes that had cancer cells in them. So their advice was, you know, we've cut all the cancer out that we can see physically see, but we recommend chemotherapy to kill off the remaining, anything that's remaining that we can't physically see. So I'm sitting in the office like, okay, taking it in, right? Chemotherapy, okay, fair enough. Give me the information on that, like the quick summary. Finish the summary and then they were like, right, when do you want to sign the paperwork? And they just like threw it. They just like handed me the forms and I was like, I, I can't make this decision on the spot right now that, you know, chemotherapy's got a bad rep for side effects and you know I do view my body as a temple so I need to go yeah. away and consider it and I asked the question what happens if I don't choose to go through chemotherapy and they looked at me like I had three heads and it was like no one else had ever asked that question before <laughs> it was just like this is the norm you had cancer in your body 
we say you should do chemo, so you should do it. And I went away, had to think about it, spoke to my family and friends. And if I had no one else in my life, I probably would have seriously considered not doing it. But I have a massive support network of people. I was presented with no other option. And I felt I couldn't justify not doing it because all the other treatment options are, you know, there's not enough research or or scientific papers to back those. So I, I didn't have science on my side. I just had what was the treatment that's been done since the 1970s. And that treatment for me didn't even target cancer cells. It just targeted fast growing cells in the body, which are your red blood cells, your white blood cells, and destroy everything that you know, as soon as they inject into you, those cells are getting killed off. And it just so happens cancer cells are also part of that group. So it's important for me to say that the support that I got across my surgical team and um, my oncology, you know, the doctors and nurses there, they gave me the best support they could give me. Mm -hmm. But they're working in a broken system. And to them, there is no other option because they're stuck in this system that's been in the same place for 50 years. Um, So I guess that's my perspective coming into it. There was no other option. And when I asked about it, they looked at me like I was a right weirdo. (laughs) Like, what do you mean you wouldn't possibly want to not consider chemotherapy? Well, I don't want to put that bleach in my body. Well, that's the most important thing you said in what you wrote to me. Talk about bleach, pouring bleach in your body. Explain that. That was, um, so I had, I've got a good friend who happens to be a, a liver and bowel detox specialist, uh, Mr. Ian Bell in Edinburgh. And we did a so after your oper- after my operation, I obviously had a lot of drugs, morphine, anesthesia, and Ian helped me out with a eight week detox to get rid of all those chemicals out of my system because anesthesia can stick around in your system for up to seven years after you've had it. So I had it all detox. I probably had the healthiest bowel in Scotland running into my chemo and. I started my chemo and the first two cycles were, for me personally, were absolutely horrific. I had all the side effects that they talked about, the typical ones, plus some really weird ones that whenever I asked anyone, they just shook their head and said they didn't, they hadn't heard of that before. And I looked dreadful. And when I spent time, more time with Ian working through some coping strategies that we could use we jokingly started calling it chemo bleach because that was like there should be a hashtag for it hashtag chemo bleach it just was like pouring bleach killer bleach into my veins once every three weeks and then taking the tablets just to top it up in case the in case the, the liquid form didn't do its uh, do its job. So, you know, there were the side effects are different for everybody, but 
you know, for somebody whose body's a temple, I had very bad side effects because my body's just not used to dealing with those toxins, especially at the the intensity that they gave them to me. And I, actually, in the end, my third and fourth cycles, they had to reduce my dose of chemo because the side effects were worse than the actual disease itself. And I just feel like, you know, we, we can't keep treating people with drugs and procedures that are worse than the disease itself. That suffering from cancer drugs is considered the norm. That's not acceptable. Like any other situation where you were getting all of those side effects, fatigue, hair loss, hair thinning, neuropathy, nausea, sickness, constipation, diarrhea, issues with your hands. I couldn't drink or take anything that was cold because my throat went into spasm. When I cried, the muscle behind my eyelids went into cramp. Whenever I ate food, the first bite, I got jaw cramp. Like I had all these weird muscle cramp things. In any other situation in life, that long list of side effects, there would be an outcry. But there isn't for cancer drugs. It's just accepted as the norm. And, you know, so I guess I'm in a unique situation because I was diagnosed with cancer and I, now I didn't survive cancer. The way I view it is I survived chemotherapy. That's my perception of it. Yeah. And the, pe- the people who don't make it and pass away, they can't demand more. They can't demand it because they're gone. Yeah. So the only people who can demand a change are those that's lives have been touched from it who are still here, who have enough belief and energy to be able to stand up and say things like that, which is exactly why I got in touch to have a conversation with you in the first place, because we need to do better. This is like, you know, there's these groups for animal cruelty. Well, chemo is like human cruelty. (laughs) And I know firsthand because I spent four months dealing with it. And, you know, people maybe watching the video probably don't, you know, I look good considering I only had chemo two months ago, but I detox massively after it. And I did everything I could health-wise during it to support my body while it was dealing with the bleach. So first, I salute you for coming on a screen and telling the whole world about your bowels and your miserable yeah. four months. And I mean, that that takes a lot of guts. I would think you probably had to ponder a minute or two before you were sure you're ready to do that. <laughs> well, I, uh, for some reason, so I ended up doing like some bowel cancer diary videos on YouTube, um, probably from about February onwards. And I discovered that I had the kind of, People found them really funny considering the circumstances. And it turns out it's because I'm really good at taking the the pee out myself. And (laughs) I think probably six months of doing 
60 plus videos, I kind of lost the fear a little bit and know that there's value in sharing this stuff, even though for lots of people it might feel like too much and they just want to deal with it privately. That there was a, you know, there's value in me sharing it. So I appreciate you saying that though. So the next thing on the list is we need to appreciate the fact that chemotherapy is a really big upsell in the oncology uh, shopping cart. Certainly is. And, uh, you know, if you don't get your, I mean, I don't know how much it costs in Scotland, but, you know, if what if they don't get their $60,000, right? Yeah. So there's, well, there's a demand, isn't there? It makes the CFO of the hospital happy. Yeah. How do you detox? I detoxed. So I, I had to do it gradually because everyone's bowel was very sent. Well, mine's in particular was very sensitive because I was healthy anyway. And you can, if your bowel goes through too much change, too much in a short period of time, it can go into shock. So I eventually, I did, um, so there's small habits like I have ginger and water with every meal because ginger aids with digestion. And then I moved to raw food only diet, which, you know, you don't cook any of your veg or anything. It's just fruit and veg, completely raw nuts and things that haven't been processed. And then I ended up doing vegan I kind of eased back into widening in some more food groups. So vegan and then kind of vegan with fish. I did yoga most days. I did um, meditation most days. No drinking, no smoking. That wasn't an issue anyway for me. Low stress. Just all the things that... And I did some juicing, juices as well. I had... um, disgusting shot that I had to a juice that I had to make twice a day that had organic ginger and turmeric root juiced and then a little bit of carrot juice just to push the rest of it through and then downed with black pepper because you can't absorb everything from turmeric root unless you have some of the properties that come from black pepper. So I was like, I had different shots and different juices that I took. And then there were new supplements that I was taking. Um, Charcoal helps to remove toxins from your body. So I had higher dose of charcoal and I'm, I'm actually still on that just now until I get to uh, probably the end of quarter three, just to make sure you know, as much of what's was pumped into my body's gone. But I guess, you know, it's it wasn't rocket science. There were a few new things that I did, or I just tightened up on some of what I was doing before. But I, you know, I'd, I did that off my own back with my friend who happened to, that was his specialty. So if I didn't have him or the want to be proactive about it, I probably would still be dealing with some of this, the side effects from chemotherapy and well, who knows how long those last for people who haven't done anything like that before. So you described going down into this 
trench of pouring bleach in your veins and being completely messed up, what's it like when your body's coming out of that? And how are you like, you're in touch with your body. Like maybe we need to say this explicitly, like an athlete who, you know, judo and cycling and all the discipline of being a, a professional athlete, you're very in tune with your body, much more used to paying attention to all that. So mm -hmm. what's that? What signals are you getting? What's that like? It was always a constant monitoring of how I felt on each day. And the hardest thing was mid-chemo because chemotherapy is done in cycles. So they bless you and then you get a little rest for your cells to recover. And then you get blitzed again. And this roller coaster was just a nightmare. And it, you know, the downs become steeper as you move through each cycle. So I actually found the 15, 16 weeks that I did through chemo more difficult than client. Like once it was over, I've never been so happy in my life. I did like a special dance and I was, I had like some celebratory stuff going on as I took the last tablet but it, you know, it probably took me five or six weeks to feel like a, you know, a normal, my normal human self again. And there were biomarkers that I was tracking just as a person, like my, my watch does all my sleep patterns. Um, my average sleep and heart rate through this whole experience was 10 to 15% higher than it normally is. So when I'm sleeping, so my heart was having to work 10, 20% harder every single night while I'm resting, just to be able to cope with what was going into my body. My blood cell count was too low on three occasions that my next cycle had to be delayed. So all of that, you know, you're right. I, I'm an athlete, so my body self-awareness is extremely high and the biomarkers and things just, they were just the evidence of what I was already feeling as, a, as an individual and a person. And I climbed out of it quickly because I had a support network around me wider than just the medical establishment that I was kind of housed in. I have a wide network of people across two sports and multiple industries because of the work that I do and a wide, net, wide and deep network of family and friends that were able to support me through that. And I was doing my, my vlogs, which were cathartic up to a point as well and helped me reflect on it. So although it was the hardest thing that I've ever, ever had to deal with, and I'd, you know, it was, it wasn't uncommon for me to bury myself when I was on the bike to, to sickness. So I know how to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, su and suffer with grace as much as you can when you're being sick. So I know how to suffer but it was still the hardest thing that I've ever had to go through by a country mile. And if I got told I had to go through it again, 
there would be a question mark for me. Well, you you said in your email, I'm not a snowflake. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> I am the opposite, whatever that is. <laughs> so let's say that your sister called you and said, hey, I got the same thing as you. What should I do? So right now, I feel like the majority of people are caught between a rock and a hard place. And I was one of those people. And it would be very difficult. You know, she'd be in the same position that I felt I was in where I was given no other option and no science behind it, behind the other options to be able to support a less evasive but successful treatment, which is why, you know, part of the reason that we're chatting is because my message is that we need to do better and we need to do better in the areas outside of the system that your project supports to accelerate, you know, earlier diagnosis that Dr. Raza's talked about Mm -hmm. um, and other treatment options where the identity of the cell changes back, all of those other options, you know, they're not going to be as invasive and as difficult for people to deal with and you know not everyone's like me I wasn't sitting in the chemo ward and everyone around I did not belong in that place I looked completely like the odd one out most of the people looked like they were dying and had much worse side effects than me in terms of like hair loss completely gone you know these people they deserve better and it's cruel for money or just because the system's broken. I don't know, even know if these people know it's broken because they're just in it and it's just the norm now. Right. Right. So then there's, there's this introspection. I've gotten a little bit of a sense that, you got more right with yourself in that you feel like that's significant. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I um I asked the question, why did I get cancer? It took me months to be able to work through that. I sorted, I systemized lots of stuff in my life so that I didn't have that some of that stress anymore. And I've spent a lot of time working through career-wise what's the right things for me, what's what my talents and strengths are, are, which is why I was working with Megan, who introduced us. So I'm in a much better place about my future and how that can connect to, you know, me uniquely as a person and the value that I bring. And there's other kind of changes that have happened which I didn't expect and I I did mention one of them to you in the note that I sent that so I'm a, I was always a big believer in 8020 got your book when it first came out 
saw loads of it in the businesses that I worked in. But after this happened, I think my like 80-20 radar got stronger. Mm. And so now when I look at situations where I, I know a lot about, I'm able to go, that's your 80-20, that's your 80-20, that's a marginal, that's a red herring. And be I'm far more blunt about that now mm. than I was before. I think before I would say it, but I was quite subtle about it. And, you know, depending on the person, they would either pick it up or completely miss it. So to me, life's too short. <laughs> and, you know, I, I was, it's not like I suddenly got a new sense of, pers- I do have a, more perspective in life. But I was very aware of my mortality before this happened to me. And I lived as, you know, each day as if it was my last. That was kind of how I approach life anyway. So it's not like that's changed. It's just now some of the choices and the decisions or the advice and recommendations that I give for business are much more to the point this is the things you need to focus on. See all of the rest of this, that's a load of crap. And you're getting stressed about it for no reason. Just let it go. I lost a good friend to cancer a couple of years ago, Rob Berkeley, and uh, he's a really astute business coach, really more of a personal coach, kind of you know, hard to categorize, but brilliant guy. And I talked to one of his very best friends, very close friend. And he goes, he says, you know, get near the end. Rob was act absolutely took his gloves off with me. Uh, If I was screwing, if I was like not treating my family right or not making good decisions, he, he had no, he's just going to tell me, you know, it sounds like Rob beat him up pretty good before Rob left the earth. (laughs) And, and he appreciated it, you know. Yeah, it, yeah. Very much, right? If you're doing it from a good place, then the message is and the message is important enough. Why skirt around the edges of it? Yeah. You mentioned starting to work with Megan, and for those who don't know, Megan. Well, Megan is the Brene Brown of marketing. Um, <laughs> And that probably even pigeonholes her too much because, I don't know, maybe that's what she was two or three years ago. Now she's just Megan. And I've, well, she, I mean, she's probably 15 years younger than me, but I sit at her feet and learn. What was that about and what have you gotten out of it? I have I have a feeling it has a lot to do with this. Yeah, I sent uh, Megan a note in February and asked if she was taking on any new clients for like individual. And then I think she opened up her diaries to some new clients, like less than a month later. And I think the opening chat that I had with her was, I always knew at some point, because when Megan appeared in Planet Perry, which was probably a couple of years ago, you know, and Megan's like the Celtic cousin to me. She's the Irish. We're, I'm the Scots. We're not. We have the same sense of humor. 
<laughs> and you know our accents are kind of similar and all that good stuff and um I always got a sense that at some point in life Megan and I's worlds would clash and she had you know some bits and pieces in her work over the years and I kind of kept an eye on it just the timing wasn't right and I think maybe February March just as I was starting to feel really good after my op before I started chemo I reached out to her and just said look I'm in this transition point in my life the catalyst hasn't been particularly good and I got some crap to go through to wade through but I you know would really appreciate spending some time with you so we've probably had what four or five months of work together and it's been brilliant we we've um you know had calls on so Megan's work is I guess about being understanding yourself your stories how they all interconnect to create your unique juice and what makes you special in a deep deep way and then how do you take that and package it into your career or it might not be how you make your money but the pieces of art that you create in the world whether that's or projects that you do. So we've kind of moved through the full journey of understanding my background, where I've been completely true to myself right from like age five or six, I think, right through did the full timeline. She asked me some really philosophical questions as Megan does, and then left me to go and and work through them and then we'd catch up every month and run through them so whenever I have calls with Megan I feel like my brain has just like blown up <laughs> it takes me 24 hours to come back to kilter again and you know the rest of the time the brain's simmering in the background figuring out some of the tough questions about me as a person and you know I thought I knew myself pretty well but there were some big things that I've been able to figure out about what truly drives me and why and why certain relationships or situations in my life work and why others don't because of the main thing that drives me and where I have battles in my life it's because I've got a paradox between what's going on what drives me versus the situation and both are good and it's about finding the balance between the good bits of me and the bits I need to work through and push for progress so that kind of sounds a little bit fuzzy but you've gone through the work with Megan so I guess you personally know I don't know if the listeners will fully understand what that journey is like well Megan's work is about understanding your own story. And most of us only have a fragmentary understanding of our own story. One of my moments was Megan said one time, hey, you know that whole episode when your dad got demoted from his job because your mom well, you know, went to see a psychiatrist 
you know that was a war between science and religion, don't you? And I was like, uh, I should have figured that out 20 years ago, but I never realized it until now. Yeah. And we, we all have these, these things. And, uh, you know, I don't know that understanding your own story is going to keep you from getting cancer or cure cancer or anything like that. But I, one thing I do know is that we're all healthier in a lot of ways when we can stand back and see the arc of where we came from, what the questions are like, you know, your, your family was asking a set of questions. What was it? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and where, where has that brought you? And I just feel like my ability to connect with other people, my ability to understand myself is much better because I, I've done some of this introspective kind of work and clearly you're saying the same thing yeah I I think it's allowed me the place that I'm in now is now that I I understand more about myself and my motives and my stories and why certain things have happened and why I struggle with some things and other things are easy it allows me to filter in the future I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this or this relationship isn't good and I need to call it if it's the type that you can do that. And these people over here are definitely who I should be spending more time with because it's a much better fit for me as a person and what I want to achieve. So it's now empowering me to pick the right things that are the right fit for me as a person. And that can only be a good thing for all the different parts of your life, health and fitness, emotional, intellect, social, financial, career, all those categories. If you're being true to yourself and finding the things that fit even closer to you and your unique abilities and values and people that, you know, that understand those all of those areas will flourish through time. I have no doubt. I've had taste little tasters of it through the years. I just got lost for a couple of years in the middle. Mm. Like after my sporting career, after I retired, you kind of go through a bit of a, your identity's changed. And I was still figuring out without any guide who I was as a person and I went down some paths that I probably shouldn't have done, but I was lucky because I got a warning shot before it was too late. And I'm still in my thirties and have got a long life and career ahead of me to, you know, give value and have fun and see what happens. Is there anything that we didn't get to that you'd like to mention or say? before we're finished? So I guess just to reiterate the points that the support that I was given in the medical system that I, that's typical in the UK was as best as it could have been, but the system is broken and the treatment that I had to go through is like human cruelty and 
we need to do better. And um, when I say we, I mean the people that are outside the system. You've talked about the only people who are going to solve this big global problem are going to be people outside of the system, entrepreneurs that are bringing innovation in from other places, which is the best way to innovate. You know, those are words that come straight from your mouth. The best way to innovate is to take ideas from one place and apply them in another. And it's that group of entrepreneurs in the community that sits behind things like Evolution 2.0 and the work that you're doing and the doctors and scientists that you're working with. You know, this is a call that we need to keep keep doing what you're doing. Just push the fast forward button <laughs> and, you know, hopefully... People like me, the more people who who share these kinds of stories and experiences will help with the motivation and building a little bit of a wave for you to ride on. That's probably where I'd like to finish. Well, Jenny, I really appreciate you bearing your soul a little bit and talking about this whole experience you've had and for being supportive in the work that we're doing here and it's just fantastic if somebody wants to look at your vlogs or pay attention to what you're doing how do they do that so my my vlogs are on youtube just put jenny davis bowel cancer in and there's string of them will come up you'll find my channel so you can subscribe on there most of them are pretty, like, they're fun educational things if people are interested as I've gone through the journey. Or if somebody wants to get in touch personally, it's jenny at jennydavis.org mm. um, if they want to get in touch via wow. email. So, yeah, just I hope you've enjoyed the chat and the listeners have enjoyed it. And anybody wants any more information or wants to get in touch, just let me know. Happy cool. to chat. Very much so. I I think these problems are solvable, and I, I think there there are better ways. And thanks for reinforcing that because we're we're going to make some dents in this thing. Yeah, my pleasure. And I have no doubt. And just this is like a little prod <laughs> for everyone involved. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Perry. Until next time, this is the Evolution 2.0 podcast, bridging science, technology, business, and the big questions. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes or on your preferred player. If you like the show, rate us on iTunes. Join our email list and social media at CosmicFingerprints.com. Evolution 2.0